0: Welcome to the Stand By My Servants podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree, Professor of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University, explores the lives and teachings of the members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. As we examine the lives and teachings of these leaders, our lives can be edified, enriched, and spiritually strengthened. Now here is your host, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree.
1: I hope that many of you were able to join with us last episode as we talked to Jeff Bednar, youngest son of Elder and Sister Bednar. We were able to talk about the life of Elder Bednar and some great insights. And now today, we are going to focus on some of the teachings of Elder Bednar. So I'm really glad, Jeff, that you're back here with me again today. And I think we ought to just dive right in. So Jeff, let's let's talk about some of your dad's teachings. And I, I gotta tell you that as I was reviewing and preparing for what we're doing today, one of the things that I that kind of struck me was how many incredible talks over the years your dad's given. And I just started looking at all of them and kind of lumping them all together and going, Oh wow. I mean, and once again, as as we've said before on this podcast, how do you just choose a couple of them to review? In a in a thirty minute time, but I was just reminded of, and it helped me to remember how your dad's affected me as a as a priest, a leader as well. You know, just you know, one of his talks on, uh, and I wish I remember the name of it, but it was on offense. You know, it was mm-hmm. when people take offense and they leave the church, and and now as a stake president, he's going into their home and he's inviting them back. And I, I mean, I little remember training from that talk as a bishop, and let's okay, let's go out and visit these people, but. I mean, and I want them to know. I mean, not that any of our leaders are listening, but we we want them to know that not only do we sustain them, but we actually try to do the things they're telling us to do. You know. Yeah. So, anyway, so what would be one of the first talks that you're uh, that you want to share with us? Well,
0: one talk that <laughs> comes to mind that that people people often ask me about is is his talk "More Diligent and Concerned at Home." Right. One of the reasons why that gets brought up is because there's a very uh, memorable episode in there <laughs> where my dad describes what what family home evenings were like in our home. Yeah, and uh, I want to uh, just go on record to say that I was like Nephi in my family. You were the Nephi and, for sure. You yes. were the young
1: brother that kind of kept everyone in line. Exactly, right? and I had
0: these two older brothers that just didn't listen to dad, and uh, and so I would be in the corner saying, "Dad, well, guys, why don't why don't you listen Come on, to dad?" Listen to them, and uh, they just had a hard time following dad so
1: but the cool know. thing is they listen to you right jeff <laughs> oh yeah no, exactly.
0: no i that that uh is definitely not how it happened i'm sure we were all involved i'm sure we all said the things that uh he described in there who's breathing my air uh, and so Quit i guess yeah i probably need to publicly apologize for being a, uh, a uh, this,
1: and this is why that was so cool because he described every family family home meeting in the church and all of us as parents hearing that was like we're like oh my gosh thank you for saying this right in our family, the joke was that it was like, how many would we be left with by the time family home evening was over? Because we just kept sending kids to their room. Yeah. So we'd start with eight kids. and By the time we were done, there was like four left. You know, yeah. it, was, it was like a survivor. Yeah.
0: Well, now as a parent, as I try to do family home evenings, it's it's very similar. And, and so I, I get hope from this talk myself. Yeah. That uh, given the the home I grew up in, my brothers and I have all have deep roots uh, in the restored gospel and 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 somehow we're able to plant those seeds despite uh, despite being crazy during family home meetings. so i think there is a lot of hope for families out there who uh, experience that chaos and and uh, don't don't give up just keep doing it um keep trying to find ways to connect and, and engage your your children in the process and and over time uh, that bears fruit
1: yeah jeff thank you for sharing i You know, your dad was called in October of 2004. This talk was given in October of 2009. So Mm -hmm. he's been an apostle for five years. He said this, he said, today, if you could ask our adult sons what they remember about family prayer, scripture study and family home evening, I believe I know how they would answer. They likely would not identify a particular prayer or a specific instance of scripture study or an especially meaningful family home evening lesson as the defining moment in their spiritual development. What they would say, they remember, is that they, as a family, or that we as a family, were consistent. It was the first time I ever heard your dad get emotional in a conference talk. And you just knew how much that meant to him, uh, knowing that that his sons would answer that question that way.
0: Yeah. Well, and in fact, the most memorable family home evening may be this one that he's describing, where we turned <laughs> uh, the straws mom was uh, providing for us to learn how to lead music and, and we turned them into spitwad cannons. And, <laughs> and uh, that was very memorable, but, uh, I, I think he's right. You, you don't really look back and remember necessarily the content of a specific lesson, but you remember that family home evening was a really important part of our home growing up yeah. and, uh, and we did it frequently and, and we learned from it. And, and, uh, and so I think just that message of consistency is incredibly important.
1: You know, Jeff, one of the things I remember is, and I still have the date on my little PowerPoint, but it was 2013 when I came over to your office at BYU and met you for the first time. So 10 years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I said to you is, I said, What are some things you would want people to know about your dad that they probably don't know? And and one of the first things you said is that he actually does the things that he teaches. If he teaches about it, we do it. And so here we are having this family home evening uh, message in general conference. And here you are saying, yeah, we, we, we didn't miss, we did it all. It may not have been perfect, but we did it.
0: He, you know, some of the words I often think of when I think about my dad are consistent and disciplined. I mean, he is, um, he, he has a, a pretty rare ability, I think to, it's not that he doesn't care what other people think about him. But he's just not swayed by trying to do things for other people to please them. Right. He, he acts out of um, the the goodness of his heart and, and does things because they matter to him and because he's committed to them and, and because it's who he is, not because he's trying to put on some front and, and right. false face. You
1: know? Yeah. And, and and like I always tell my students, all of these men, all of these leaders they were incredible men and leaders long before the general church even knew who they were. Mm. You know, here you are going to the church as, a, as the bed in our family with no one else there. And there's no cameras rolling or anything, right. but that's just what we do in our family. Yeah. The talk that I would share, and I hope I set this up the right way, and Jeff, you, you correct anything you may know about this, but it felt like your dad was really instrumental in helping us as general church members understand the atonement better. And he gave a talk called In the Strength of the Lord, and he mm-hmm. gave it in two places. He gave it at BYU-Idaho as the president there, and then he came to BYU. I think it must have been so awesome that they said, can you come to BYU mm-hmm. and share that message? And I'm going gonna—I'm just going to quote a little part of this. Um, he said, if I were to emphasize one overarching point this morning, it would be this. I suspect that you and I are much more familiar with the nature of of the redeeming power of the atonement than we are with the enabling power. And that was it right there. It was this idea that there's really a couple of aspects of the atonement, and one of them is the enabling power, and we're not talking about it that much. And he said, it's one thing to know that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for us. That's fundamental and foundational to the doctrine of Christ. But we also need to appreciate that the Lord desires through his atonement and by the power of the Holy Ghost to live in us not only to direct us, but also to empower us. And your dad goes on to give this great message on on the atonement and that it's not for just sinners. It's not just for redemption. It's for strength. It's for power. And I share all this in, in, a, in a context because you, in an interview with the Ensign, you know, years ago, as a young man, you may have been, a, I'm sure you were a college student at BYU, but you said, my dad's, my dad's an ordinary guy, but his strength comes from the atonement. His strength is in the power of the atonement. And once again, back to the theme of living, the very things that he teaches about. Um, let Let me just read this one last part and then have you respond. But he said, I don't think many of us get it concerning this enabling and strengthening aspect of the atonement. And I wonder if we mistakenly believe that we must make the journey from good to better and become a saint all by ourselves through sheer grit and willpower and discipline and with our obviously limited capacities. And I just, Elder Bednar was inspiring us, and he inspired me to know that, you know what, every weak spot in my life, because of Christ and the atonement, can be made strong.
0: Yeah, I think one of the the powerful things about um, this message, and, and to think about it in context, so he gives it at BYU-Idaho, he gives it at BYU, and it's actually the title of and the content of his very first conference talk. His very first conference talk is called "In the Strength of the Lord." Okay. And uh, and I think for him it's such an important principle. And my brother Mike, uh, I think when when we were interviewed for um, this article where where that quote came from about about my dad, he talked about how um, faith has cast out all fear in our dad. Wow. And and I've often viewed my dad as fearless. Um, and, and never being um, uh, ruffled, or you know, he just he always has a just a really calm, faith-filled demeanor. The first time I think I ever saw my dad experience any kind of uh, just uncertainty or inadequacy was watching him respond um, to this this call to be an apostle. It just drives you to your knees. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly humbling. And we found out about his call on uh, Saturday morning when President Hinckley announced it. Um, And that night on Saturday night, uh, as soon as my brothers heard that news, they all uh, flew to Salt Lake City. And I I was here in Provo. But that night uh, on Saturday night before he gave this talk about in the strength of the Lord in in his first general conference talk, uh, we had the chance to just be together as a family and you could just see the weight. Oh, wow. um, you could see the just the feeling, the the crushing feelings of inadequacy that, that he was feeling. Uh, had a, a really special opportunity as brothers to then give our dad a blessing that night, and and uh, that was a, a really special experience and special opportunity for us. Wow. And then to watch him stand up in general conference that next morning having observed just those crushing feelings of inadequacy the night before, and then to see him magnified and to deliver that message about in the strength of the Lord, for me, was, again, just a very powerful testament to the very principle that he was teaching. He was living it in the moment, being strengthened to do something that uh, was really challenging and hard.
1: And what some who may be listening may not understand is he's, he's called... You know what, was he called on Friday evening? Yeah, so
0: he was called on Friday afternoon Okay. and uh, and then gave that first message Sunday morning. And so, that's not a lot of time so to figure out what you're going to speak about in your very first general conference talk. Wow. And so, yeah. you know, my dad has often taught about sequence and the importance of sequence. And he's often talked about when, when we get towards the end of a prophetic ministry, pay really careful attention to the things that that person says. Um, I also think looking at their their first words the are beginning. also instructive, right? Right. And I think when you when you look at that message and and uh, why would he give that message? I think it's because of all the things that he could have talked about as as he begins his ministry. This concept of the strength of the Lord was both personally important, but he felt it was really important for the whole church to to understand and, and place a greater emphasis on on that idea that. You can have access to the Savior's atonement in your life for all the different things that you uh, struggle with or the things that you're trying to accomplish.
1: Uh, it was so profound, Jeff. Thanks for giving us the back a little bit of that backstory there. So let's 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 talk about another one. What's a what's another uh, message your dad has shared that uh, has had a real impact on you? Yeah, I think.
0: Probably my favorite talk. I don't know if
1: it's okay to have
0: one favorite. I have a lot of favorites. I think but, it is. But uh, he he gave a talk at BYU-Idaho called The Character of Christ. And that has subsequently been the substance of a, a number of different messages that, that he's given over time. But, you know, essentially in, in that message, he talks about uh, an experience he had with Elder Maxwell, where Elder Maxwell um, talked about... The, how w- without Christ's character, there could have been no atonement. And, uh, and it sparked my dad uh, wanting to, to study and think about the character of Christ and, and what that actually meant and what that entailed. And, uh, and he just articulates in this this message, I think so beautifully, the essence of Christ. And he describes it as turning outward when you have every reason to turn inward. Uh, and you minister to others who are going through challenges that, in some cases, might be far less than your own, and describes a number of examples of this from the scriptures, where the Savior turns outward. You know, he sends uh, ministering angels to John, uh, even though the Savior himself was suffering. You know, we we read in the New Testament that that Christ hungered before feeding the. The thousands. Right. And, uh, and, and so Christ is experiencing hunger could have easily sought to satisfy that need that he was feeling and experiencing, but yet he turned his attention to other people and, and satisfied that, that need that they had before he, he cared about himself and just the, the pure selfless selflessness that mm-hmm. Christ, uh,
1: demonstrates yeah.
0: and, and that we ought to emulate. I think for me, you know, I, it's been fun to just look for examples of that in in scriptures and and in the uh, examples of of the prophets and and their ministries and even in my own life trying to live those principles um, certainly have a long way to go but having experiences where you know you try to minister to someone when when uh, you're kind of struggling yourself I think that's just a really powerful concept and, and principle. I had an experience um, last year. My, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so our family was kind of reeling from, from this diagnosis. And uh, this dear sister in my ward, whose husband was on the, the final chapter of his cancer journey, um, he was so sick and, and just not doing very well. Uh, she showed up in our driveway and uh, delivered us a, a plate of cookies and, and just gave us hugs and, and expressed her love and support for us. And as she drove away, I just thought, that's the character of Christ. That's it. That's it. To right see there. someone who, you know, is, is suffering more than us, and, and yet she took the time to come and minister to us in, in our time of need. So I just think when you see that type of faith and, and that example from other people, it it uh, you it truly is the character of Christ. And oh. it's amazing to see that character in other people. Yeah. Know.
1: A few observations about that talk that I have as well. I First of all, it's very uncharacteristic, I think, of your dad, where the, the bulk of that talk <clears throat> is a story that he tells. Yeah, And I think your dad would even say, I'm probably not a storyteller, but the story that he shares about those three girls in your stake in, in Arkansas yeah. that you probably knew. Yeah. Uh, is so powerful and and we share that for those who are listening if you've never read this talk you you need to go read it because it will change your life it will change the way that you view the Savior and yourself and others the second one that I think about the second idea on this talk is that first of all Elder Maxwell is the one that made that initial statement that your dad heard I think your dad replaces Elder Maxwell in the Quorum of the Twelve which is kind of cool to think about. But, but to, to think of this, that prophets follow prophets, you know, and here's your dad hearing a prophet, seer, and revelator speak and just going and digging into the scriptures and making all these connections on what the character of Christ is. And, you know, every scripture your dad uses in that talk, we've all read a hundred times and we never put all of them together to make that incredible case that you do look outward first if you're following the Savior and not inward so much. And so I actually kind of put it in the category of a masterpiece. I think mm. that talk is incredible.
0: Yeah. One, one last kind of episode, I think, related to this talk. Um, over the summer, uh, my dad was asked to preside at the, the dedication of the Bentonville, Arkansas Temple. Mm. And so as a family, we went back in June and did uh, the open house. Right. And then we flew back in September uh, and uh, we're all together in the celestial room um, and we got to participate in that dedication of, of the Bentonville, Arkansas temple. And, uh, one of the women in that talk hmm. walked into the celestial room and, and took her seat on the front row. And just to see the emotion that that sparked in my dad, yeah, as he welcomed that sister into the celestial room and helped her take her seat and gave her this enormous hug um, was just a really tenderful powerful moment and was just a reminder to me that you know we, we, we hear uh, the witnesses of the members of the quorum of the 12 and and we we take great strength from those witnesses um, and those witnesses come from things they've learned for many years and, and from lots of different people and and to see that interaction between this dear sister that had taught him so much yeah. About the atonement of Christ and about um, the character of Christ, it was it was just a really powerful experience. I'll never forget uh, being able to to be there in the temple with her.
1: Makes that so so real, and just once again the the uh, the idea of how affected your dad was by that. Yeah. You know, you know, Jeff. One of my favorite talks that your dad gave recently. Well, it was November two, well October two thousand nineteen conference. Watchful unto prayer continually. It's the whole cheetah and the topi yeah. story. And uh, once again, an incredible analogy. And uh, your dad talks about, you know, in that message, and I wish we had more time, but we, we probably will just be really quick with this one. But he talks about less. And by the way, if you haven't seen the talk, if you haven't watched the video, you have to do it. It's, it, it would be a great family home evening for anyone. But his first one was uh, to beware of evil's beguiling disguises. And I'm going to read this. To, read this, He says that uh, cheetahs are sleek, they're alluring, they're captivating. A cheetah's uh, yellowish tan and grayish white coat with black spots acts as a beautiful disguise that makes these animals almost invisible as they stalk their prey in the African grasslands. But then in a similar way, spiritually dangerous ideas and actions frequently can appear to be attractive, desirable, and pleasurable Thus, in our contemporary world, each of us needs to be aware of the beguiling bad that pretends to be good. And he quotes the Isaiah verse of one of them that put good, you know, call evil good and good evil, you know. Uh, And then his second point, to stay awake and to be alert. He talks about for a topia brief moment of carelessness or inattentiveness could invite a swift attack. And he says, likewise for us, spiritual complacency and casualness makes us vulnerable to the advances of satan and uh, once again there's there's like a uh, you know there's a story and a and so much content for every one of these points and then number three to understand the intent of an enemy this is my favorite one he says a cheetah is a predator that naturally preys on other animals all day every day a cheetah is a predator and satan is the enemy of righteousness and of those who seek to do his will of, to do the will of god and all day, every day, his only intent and sole purposes are to make the sons and daughters of God miserable, like unto himself. Anyway, it's it's an incredible message, and it's so relevant. I mean, Elder Bednar is addressing uh, you know the very all the social problems of our day, and he does it with this great story that he learns uh, on a visit to Africa. And uh, let me just finish that with this. He says. Just as important lessons can be learned by observing the behaviors of cheetahs and topis, each of us should look for the lessons and warnings found in the simple events of everyday life, he says. There are parable parables contained in both the scriptures and in our daily lives, and we need to he invites us to reflect on those. Anyway, Jeff, I don't know if there's any more insight to So your dad developing that, that message that you have, but I thought it was so powerful.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to watch these different messages come together. They come together in different ways. Mm. Um, you know, he'll have experiences where a talk will come very rapidly. You know, he may sit down in a day or two, you know, feel like this is the finished product. He has other messages that sometimes will take years. Um, and, uh, he gave a message, things as they really are about technology and some of the dangers of technology that you know he was thinking about that and mulling some of those concepts and ideas over for years before he gave that in a very public way yeah um you know this was one where uh, sometimes as a family he'll give a give a conference talk to us and and get our feedback and and kind of see uh what we think and see how we respond not not in like do you approve type way but just you know, teaching us the principles and, and seeing uh, what we're, what we gain out of it and what we're learning from it. And so uh, we had a, a really neat experience uh, a number of summers ago where he gave this message to the grandkids. And, and, and so we all learned about this, this parable of, of the cheetahs and the topies And, and, uh, and then when we watched him give this talk, uh, when you know what the talk is, it's, it's actually kind of a, a, uh, in some ways, a different but a fun experience because you're just you're kind of rooting for him to to uh, be able to give the talk in the way that that he's prepared and the way that uh, he, he's hoping to. And and this I just think was such a powerful lesson to all of us uh, to be watchful and to to not uh, not be deceived by the many influences in the world that uh, that are happening. Yeah. Um, another thought that you know came to mind is in just thinking about this. Sometimes people will ask me. How have you seen your dad change uh, since he became an, uh, an apostle, a member of the corner of the Twelve? And I think for me, one of the the things that I noticed was just how presiding over the work in Africa in different areas over a number of years, uh, I think was a really powerful experience to learn from those saints. Right. And as you can see in this talk, learning from the context in which uh, the culture some of and them the, live and the environment. And the yeah. Environment, uh, I think really changed him and his perspective in, in important ways. So yeah. I think this, this talk is, is also in some ways a a manifestation of that as well, just how his world travels and, and working with the saints in Africa, I think.
1: Would, now he's I'd giving us these examples from yeah. Africa and not to, yeah, this is so cool. What's that last talk, Jeff? That last message that you were, were sharing with me a little while ago that you wanted to, to bring up? Yeah, the last
0: message that, I wanted to talk a little bit about was uh, titled that we might not shrink and this was a ces devotional that he gave and uh, this was given in march 2013 mm. and this one uh, from a content perspective i think is incredible but part of what makes this talk really impactful for me was the timing of it okay uh, with some things that were happening in my life um so he gave this, this message in March. And in this, uh, in this talk, he talks about an experience again, he had with elder Maxwell, where elder Maxwell talks about how not shrinking is more important than surviving and, Mm. uh, how badly elder Maxwell wanted to endure, uh, his trials and especially his cancer that, uh, that happened near the end of his life. He, he wanted to endure this trial well in a way that would be pleasing unto the Lord. And, and he describes in here this experience that, that my dad had with a young couple. Uh, the husband was 23, the wife was 20 years old, and, and the, the husband gets diagnosed with cancer. And uh, just my dad was asked to come in and give this young man a blessing. And as he describes it in the talk, he, he says, I, I asked this young man a question that I wasn't intending to ask him. And the question was, "Do you have the faith not to be healed?" And that question sparked a pretty intense discussion between this husband and the wife about, "Do we have the faith, in fact, to accept that you know your your call might be to continue your ministry on the other side of the veil?" And and uh, and just as as this young man and, and this uh, young woman come to terms with. His situation and and ultimately are able to say to my dad yes we have the faith not to be healed Uh, my dad then you know pronounced a blessing upon him and and just this really remarkable story and and as you read the journal entries that he shares from this young couple uh, you can just see how the spirit is tutoring them and shaping them and teaching them incredible principles uh, through this trial around the same time uh, our my wife and I, uh, we, we knew that we were expecting uh, our third child. And uh, just right before he gave this devotional, we found out that my son, Sam, uh, at the time, we didn't know what he was going to be named, but uh, <laughs> our, our son who was uh, on his way right. uh, was going to have some, some serious health challenges. And uh, I remember kind of going through a similar process with just feeling like, how could this happen? You know, why, right. why would the Lord want this to happen to my son? And why can he not be healed? And and just wrestling with some of those really difficult questions that happen when your life is uh, afflicted with a, a really important trial. And uh, anyway, this talk, my dad had no idea that that was going to happen when he gave this, this message. But this message was in many ways for me. And, mm. uh, was exactly what I needed to hear and understand and know in order to endure this trial and this challenge uh, successfully and in in a way that that I hope uh, I'm learning what I need to learn from it. And so for me, you know, we often listen to talks in general conference and and I'll often hear people say, I felt like that talk was just for me. (laughs) Right. Um, And so for me to have a talk like that with my dad um, being the voice and the the messenger of, of this message he, he my, my dad often uh, has said, I, I gave that talk thinking I was giving it to the, the young people of the church. But he said, in hindsight, Jeff, that, that talk was for you. Yeah. And uh, knowing that and experiencing that and feeling that uh, has always been really special to me.
1: Yeah. Thank you for giving us uh, that backstory and that context. I think that's wonderful. Wow. The cool the part for me where I come into it is I remember that talk because for some reason it felt like he gave it in Dallas. Hmm. Am I remembering that right? It was. It I'm, was. I think it was in Texas. Yeah, I think he gave it in Texas. Maybe it was Fort Worth or somewhere. But I remember paying extra close attention because I never had heard that phrase, do you have the faith to not be healed? Yeah. And once again, just charting new territory for us opening up a door that we had never peeked through before, and then to find out how relevant, Jeff, that was for, for you and for Ann and for your family. That just makes it even more significant. So, when I feel like
0: that talk has become an important resource for me to share with other people yeah. who are going through difficult challenges in their own life. You know, I had a friend who got a really difficult diagnosis a number of years ago, and, and as I just prayed and thought about you know, what would be helpful to him, I thought about how helpful this message was for me. And, and so I shared that with them. And, and yeah. I think it it helped to frame and, and change his perspective as he began the the journey that, that he's still on in, in dealing with this really you know challenging health, health trial in his life. So uh, for me, it's just been important uh, personally and also now been a, a great resource in sharing it with other people.
1: Right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. This has been awesome to not only... Review some of these teachings, but to learn more about your dad's life and the way that the Lord has molded him and shaped him and been a part of his life for all these years, and and uh, you know we say we say thank you to the Bednars and to your family and uh, for all the great work, for the dedication, for the devotion, for the discipleship. I know that as a leader myself, um, on a much smaller level, I've just benefited so much over the years from the things that your dad has taught.
0: Well, it's an incredible responsibility that he holds, and uh, it's a really unique uh, position to, to be his son and to have, uh, in some ways, a, a unique vantage point to his ministry. And uh, as I watch him and observe him and see the way um, he leads and, and uh, tries to fulfill his calling, um, we just get to watch miracles and, and just incredible experiences that, that happen all over the world in, in lots of different ways. And, and we just feel really fortunate to be able to have, in some ways, a sideline view of, of seeing that and, and uh, being a witness to that as well. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for being willing to share all that with us today.